Well, good evening, welcome along to Clare FM Sideline View. Derek Clinch with you here for the next hour. Coming up on the show, we look ahead to a busy weekend of National League action. All four of Clare's flagship sides in action over the next couple of days. We'll also look ahead to an All-Ireland semi-final for St. Joseph's Spanish Point and we'll have the latest as well in our Sport in Focus series. Plenty to get through. We'll crack straight into it with that Croke Park date on Saturday evening. Clare versus Dublin in the National Football League. Plenty to ponder on this one and to do so, Joe Gary with me to look ahead to it. Joe can't be an easy week, I'd imagine, in the Clare Senior Football Camp. Um, an immediate immediate admission from the manager afterwards, anyway, that he wasn't happy. That was evident for everyone to see. Players not so either. So this may be more about the response than anything else. Well, I, I think you know the the quickest way the quickest way to recover when you fall off the horse is get back on again. And you know you don't have much time to feel sorry for yourself. Obviously, Clare will be hurting. There's no doubt or question about that. The panel will be hurting. The management team are hurting. The players in question, the, the played will be hurting. So there's an ideal opportunity now to get back. You know, focus the minds. I'm sure that have done that Tuesday, Wednesday night, and you know what better way to focus than a trip to Croke Park? Yeah, I just if you can look at that two ways. And I was talking to Alan about that this morning. Like you can say we're going to Croke Park, or you can say we're going to Croke Park. You know, there's two ways of looking at this. That it's a great place to be able to respond, but obviously a very tough test. But just defensively. Are there concerns from a clear point of view? I thought it was evident in a couple of occasions, maybe going back to even that first game in the McGrath Cup, that at times teams were finding it very, very easy to set up and find pockets of space in our defence. And that has, you know, that's something that hasn't been plugged yet. Conceded 16 points. Do you know, there's certainly a concern there. Uh, yes, but I mean, if I, if we were to have this discussion after 62, 63 minutes last Sunday, you'd be saying Clare have conceded 8 or 9 against Kildare, mm. you know, uh, against the Breeze as well in the second half. You know, so I don't remember a goal chance being created in that time. So, you know, you take the positives. Obviously, there are learnings there, but the learnings from the meat game, you know, w- there was no individual errors per se that we saw like the meat game the last day out. Clare were very compact at the back, uh, denied Kildare chase runners, you know, had space back, had extra players back. But uh, then, you know, the, everyone knows what happens in the last four or five minutes of injury time like we had done to Louts was an exact re- replica of it so you know you take the, the learnings you've learned from the games what would be more concerning I think Derek is the fact that we've gone three games into the National Football League and no green flag raised mm. and you know it's seldom you'll come out of Croke Park winning a game up there without a green flag you know, so you you just often one won't do. So I think the next day out, Clare are going up. I don't agree with this. You know, it's a free shot. You're playing the dubs, etc. You're going up there to win the game, and uh, this this result, whatever way it goes, and the scoreline uh, might well have a very telling uh, part to play at the end of the league. But that thing of not scoring goals does that come back to? the way we're setting up that it's very very difficult and maybe I think the loss of Keelan Sexton on this one is massive because as a primary ball winner as the out ball like if you've got your bodies back if your wing forwards are behind her on their own 45-65 when you're then trying to transition through Keelan's a fella that'll hold it up draw free wait until support will come like we're probably missing that influence there but like I thought the last day was a microcosm of it going down to or 15 versus 14 and we still didn't either have the belief or the ability to push up and, and create the pressure on the far side of the pitch it seems to me amazing that we didn't create a goal chance when we had the numerical advantage. Uh, yes, that's true. I mean, Aaron will be uh, disappointed with himself and mm. his chance that was created. And, you know, that was towards the end of the game. But, you know, we've gone through this before in the last number of leagues and Division 2 campaigns that we go through a run of two or three games without conceding, without scoring a goal. But, I mean, I still think there's the belief there. Obviously, Keelan is a huge loss. Owen Cleary was out for game two as well. He came back all guns blazing. Um, it's very possible that Keelan might see action in Croke Park as well tomorrow night. He'd be, that'd be a huge fill-up for the side 
side if the, if that's the case. But I mean, you keep at it, you keep going, and all you are is a pass away from from getting somebody in. That we do bring plenty of bodies back, which you can understand, given that we conceded some, you know, a goals above and meet that we had to, uh, you know, tighten up on individual uh, responsibilities and make sure that players went, you know, m- watch the space in front of the goal. All the goals were scored from very close in. So um, I, I think that. There, there's plenty of potential in the forward units that we have. Emmett McMahon is you know, somebody that is normally he's picked at the verge of the square but plays most of his football out on the half-forward line with good reason because he's an outstanding kicker of a mm. ball. So maybe there has been a bit more focus on kicking so many points. We're doing that 16 or 15 on average there over the last couple of weeks. However, I do think you know to come out of Croke Park tomorrow evening, we will need a goal. Yeah, and I guess at the same time, it's not the Dublin of Jim Gavin's era, obviously, and only for an outstanding save the last day, Cork could very well have stolen it at the death. Now it is up in their own home patch or whatever, but at the same time, they're not the kind of unbeatable monster they were at one stage no that's true and remember I, w- I was just reading in the champion this week it was 1974 29 years or 49 years ago last week that Clare went up there and took down a Dublin team that went on to be very successful in the late 70s so you know it, every game in Division 2 is will go down to the wire I don't suspect anything different this time round Kildare went to Dublin in Croke Park in game 1 mm. uh, lost by 1 point I think if I'm not mistaken so uh, they came out of Innes last week with a 1 point so the, the margins are tight it will probably come down to scoring chances Clare have been converting reasonably well but obviously you know the, the, the defensive lapses and the manner in which we, we, we conceded the game last week will hurt but there's no better way to put that right now than tomorrow night Yeah because just on a basic level games are running out now opportunities of points are running out like you look around us Louth they've meet they've Kildare to come I think they've Kildare at home meet the way so they're still in the mix for points you know you don't want to be in a situation on the last day coming here that you could potentially have a Limerick side coming up saying well if we beat Clare we bring it to scoring difference then and do you know there's, there's, there's a lot to go before that but you need to take every opportunity Yes and uh, you know the, the, we can we can afford to you know look at the fixtures down the line but the players will be t- solely and totally focused next two weeks now have a big bearing I'm always saying that you need to pick up points in each section of the league and we did that in section one. This is game two of three in section two. We have to get something out of these these trio of games as well. Two of them are at home, bear in mind. And remember last year, it was much the same. We had Derry and we had Meath at home and we had to travel in the middle to Galway. We didn't pick up points, but yet we, you know, we finished the league strong. So, you know, there's no panic stations. We're not halfway through the mid- the league yet. That will happen at uh, halftime tomorrow night. But I mean, I like what I see from the Clare boys. There's plenty of potential there. And as the squad gets stronger, with you know, with the Carl O'Connors returning, with the Darren O'Neills returning, with the Keelans returning, you know, Kieran Russell came back the last day. The squad, there'll be plenty of opportunities for players to put up their hand. And those players that are fortunate enough to go out in Croke Park tomorrow evening, well, the onus is on them then to deliver. Yeah, exactly. We'll see what kind of response comes. The game is live here, of course. Seven o'clock start under the lights on Jones's Road. Uh, we'll bring you that game in full. Joe, thanks very much uh, for joining us there this evening. Now, joined by Paul Reedy to look ahead to a massive weekend coming up for uh, Spanish Point School as they are in action in the All-Ireland uh, semi-final up at the Connacht Centre of Excellence. Uh, Paul with us to look ahead to that. But I suppose in an overall sense, though, Paul, um, quite a positive year for the school. There must be a great atmosphere around football at the minute. Yeah, no, it's it, the last couple of weeks has been great. Um, I look, I suppose we have a long tradition of football here in the school, and we have a lot of players who played at a very high level. Even with Clare at the weekend, we had quite a few players playing in uh, Cusie Park, and we we try to do as much as we can with the football. So uh, I suppose when you're successful and kids are winning trophies and things like that, it makes it all easier. So there's definitely a big buzz here in the school now as we prepare to go up to. 
uh, Mayo at the weekend. Yeah, there's a Munster title and a county title in the bag and, and one was gone after the other. I suppose when we talk about schools football outside of, we'll say, the St. Flannans, like in Estimon and Spanish Point, they're the two schools you talk about most, but it must have been very, very pleasing the manner in which you won that county title against a much vaunted in Estimon side. Yeah, I suppose, look, we have worked exceptionally hard since last September, um, you know, training-wise uh, every week with the last... Basically, since uh, before Christmas, we've been training on Tuesday mornings in Kilmaria Brick and Pitch. They've been very good to us there. Um, they've a lot of work done. We've a lot of challenge games played throughout the year against stronger opposition down in Kerry and Tipperary. So, look, we have really targeted uh, this group. Uh, they've a lot of work done, done throughout their years in the school with the likes of John Sullivan, um, Kyle Crow, Timmy Ryan. So, um, look at, I suppose, myself and Sean O'Brien and Paul Dillon are just, we're lucky to be there at the moment where it's all coming together and there's a very good group of lads, you know, that have really benefited maybe from the Under-21 Championship, like Kilmurray and Smilltown, uh, Cora Clare, you know, they did a lot of work with the Under-21s, which made it easier for us in the school. So, they'd be very, our boys are very fit and strong. So, look at it, it has all kind of come together over the last couple of months for us. So, look, I think they deserve to be where they are. Yeah, it was tough against Dennis Diamond in the end and we pulled it out of the bag. But um, it's probably a reward for the commitment and the work that they've given all year. Yeah, and just as you mentioned some of the names that are involved there, there's a, a huge footballing influence within the school. Like, So it's probably not a major task to, to continue to foster that culture. Yeah, yeah. No, look at, I suppose, when we start off the year every year and we have a meeting at the school about who's taking what te- teams, you know, there's plenty of people putting up their hand and very interested in getting involved. And, um, you know, it is, uh, you know, people with young families and things, it's hard to give time after school, but there's a huge interest in, um, I suppose, in school here and in giving back to the kids and giving your time after school. And, you know, we want to support the clubs as well because school football is really important. It keeps the the young lads playing football over the winter and when they come back to their clubs then maybe for the under 17 league or whatever that's starting now they come back in really good shape so look at this very good relationship with our clubs here and they've been very supportive over the last few weeks Milton Malby always give us their facilities um, all year round and Kilmurray have been very good to us um, particularly with this group over the last couple of weeks yeah, and just like when you when you mentioned the clubs involved there, um, t- to bring particularly the likes of Kilmurray and Milton lads together fighting under the one banner, do you know that 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 bond in a school setting is it's always quite unique, isn't it? Yeah, no, 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 it's great. I suppose as an outsider coming in here coming up from Kilmel, uh, you would have been conscious of the rivalry maybe in the beginning when I came in here, but it has. You know, the rivalry starts, it tends to start when they leave school and they're playing at adult level. Um, but at underage, you know, here at school, there's a great bond. You know, they mix very well with the Kurt and Dunbeg lads that we have here. And there's great uh, banter, I suppose, uh, around senior championship time. But uh, they come together really well for the school and play as one. And I think that was uh, really shown the other night in the county final when I suppose we were three points down going into injury time and there's great spirit there but the more games you play and the more you train together uh, it brings that on and I think it's definitely a testament to the work they have done this year that they're pulling those games out of the bag yeah, one step away from an All-Ireland final, what a brilliant occasion that would be but obviously there's a hurdle to get over first do we know much about the opposition? Um, I suppose I've been lucky enough uh, last Saturday week, I was able to go to the Connacht final um, to see them play. Uh, look, at there's a lot of good footballers um, in Mayo and in that school as well. 
the likes of Ryan O'Donoghue who uh, would have gone to school there. So they have a tradition of producing good footballers. They lost, they were, this is two in a row, they lost All-Ireland final last year. So they have the experience of that. They have the experience of playing in big matches. Um, so look, we're going to have to match that on the day. Um, luckily, uh, of course, we benefit from this, having Michael Neal and the Clare Under-20 manager in the school. Um, we've players playing with the Clare Under-20s and playing with the Clare Minors under Dermot Coughlin. So a lot of our players are playing at a really high level, but we'll need to step up to that level the weekend against Belmullet. And I suppose as well as that, people will know that it's on in the, that kind of centre of excellence. Thankfully, the new road to Chum, you're kind of there in jig time and it's not too far up the road from that. So you'll get a big support. Yeah, hopefully. Look, at I think it's 28 years since we were in an All-Ireland semi-final. I think back in 95 and I think even before that. I think one Marty Morrissey was involved in the last team before that. I think he was uh, the manager at the time. Uh, so it's a long time since we've... I suppose got our achieved to this level and it'd be great to have, you know, our parents, former students and current students up to support us. So look, we're hoping to have a good showing up there and to drive the lads on and try and get us over the line. And if we can, it'll be some two weeks uh, to try and prepare for an All-Ireland final, but it'll be brilliant for the school. Best of luck to everybody involved there with Spanish Point. That one has a one o'clock start on Saturday afternoon at the Connacht GA Centre of Excellence. That's up in Bacon in County Mayo. Hurling is next here on Sideline View. Clare Hurlers back in action this weekend, making the arduous journey to Extra Park on Sunday afternoon uh, to take on the home side down there. Kevin Sheehan with us to look ahead to it. Kevin, I suppose we've had a bit of time maybe to digest and, and more, maybe more importantly get over uh, the last night out down in Limerick. A, a very disconsolate camp afterwards. Uh, you know, very much though kind of taking responsibility for their own performance on the night. What's your thoughts ahead of this one? What can we expect? Yeah, look, at I, I think Claire will be hugely disappointed. I Look, at to be fair, since Brian Lawn has come in, there's one thing Claire has always brought is a good bit of fight and um, tenacity. And I suppose, you know, the very basics of that was missing in Limerick um, on the Saturday evening. And I suppose that that's, that's the concern, you know, you know, picking up that, you know, another hundred percent because what what was shown down in Limerick, you know, if we go down to Wexford with the same kind of, you know, work rate and um, you know, intensity, it'll be the same result. And immediate since after the game that there was a very honest appraisal from Brian Lohan. He said straight out, it just wasn't good enough. You, you know, you expect expect nothing else from Brian Lohan only to get it between the two eyes anyway. But I suppose this will now be a test of his squad as to how they'll respond. Yeah, and look, I, I don't think there'd be any fear of that. You know, I said, all you get from Brian is honesty and, you know, the group kind of mirror him in, in what they've done the last couple of years. So I'd, I'd expect, a, you know, a fairly heavy backlash and I, I'm sure, you know, the, the ground is hardening up and that kind of suits our, some of our younger players. On, on top of that, the Fitzgibbon Cup now is finished up, so Brian kind of will have his full deck and I'd say they'll use the two weeks to, to get a, a lot of work under the belt and I'd expect a different a different clear showing completely um, at the weekend. And just on that, I was just going to ask, like we've been saying for quite a while now, it's only January, it's only February, but you know, in a week's time, you're just over a month out from championships, so that talk has to stop at some stage. Do you expect this block of games to be where we'll see a significant increase? Yeah, I think I think it has to be. Um, you know, very clearly, once this league campaign was put down on paper, you know, not having to play Wexford and Galway in Championship, you know, these are the two games where Brian can probably 
show his hand as much as he wants. Um, the Limerick and Cork game, I suppose, you want to be learning and you want to be showing lads, but you really don't want to be showing the opposition everything you have either. So, yeah, I'd, I'd expect maybe, you know, a more settled team on, on to maybe towards championship and, um, you know, have a bit more competition for places this week in training. We'll, we'll ramp that up and I, I'd expect, you know, if, us to be, you know, not quite there for championship, but definitely beginning to turn that corner to to start getting there. We've seen other teams, maybe, and we saw it ourselves in in the flesh below Nimerick with Keane Lynch, and you know, all those players rolled out. Kyle Hayes, we know those guys. Austin Gleeson has been coming off the bench for Waterford. Wexford have played what they had. Maybe clear the last team to introduce the big guns back into the breach. We could see this this weekend. Yeah, look at it. I suppose you know Paul Flanagan and Tony Kelly haven't been on the pitch yet. Maybe that's just extended break from from Bellier's run. You know, you'd probably like to see John Conlon getting getting some game time at in in at number six. And um, yeah, you know, for, for the likes of Kyle Malone then as well. You know, after his injury last year, he's getting valuable minutes. So I'd expect a bit more, you know, a bit more weight around that that panel. If, if look at if they're fit and healthy, I don't think, as you said, a month out from championship, they they won't be taking any gambles on on a fifty fifty call. But it would be nice to start seeing kind of the, the bones of that team back on the pitch, and that'll be a, a big help to the younger fellas too. Where you know the they're hurling beside Tony Kelly, hurling beside John Conlon, and they're learning from them on the pitch. That'll be massive for some of these young lads that are that are putting up their hands. And I, and this is going to be a big learning experience for these lads as well. Like Wexford Park is a bit like Cusick Park in the sense that it almost has the trademark of that difficult place to go. Like you'll learn a lot about yourself in a place like that. You will. And look at Galway. Galway won there this year and I think they'd won eight in a row up to that and the last team to win down there was ourselves back in 2020. So it, it's a hard place to go and, and win, especially in the league. And they'll, look at, they they fill that place out for every game. They're, you know, they're a rapturous enough crowd. They, they'll, they'll be very vocal and, you know, it's, it's a difficult place to go. And, you know, Wexford themselves, I suppose, you know, they they were poor enough against Galway. They, they hurled well in the first half, but you know, they had 10 wides going into half time and, and nine more added in the second half. So they fell away quite strongly in the second half against Galway. And, you know, the Westmead game, they pushed on at the end, but, they, you know, they, they weren't overly impressive in, in that 70 minutes hurling either. So, you know, you probably have two teams that are, are probably lo- looking to learn stuff this weekend and, you know, that should, should lay out a good match. Yeah, and I guess as well, from a purely practical perspective, if you pick up two points, it's obviously your second win of the campaign, then you're looking at your last two games, thinking maybe another one or two points here might see us into a semi-final. Um, and I know there's been a lot of talk about that, do teams want to get there or not, but you know, another competitive game and see how a semi-final goes. You know, Thoughts will be thinking about it when you know this result, as to maybe how you'll approach those last two games. You know, If you lose against Wexford, you're saying, OK, maybe that, that dream might be gone as such. I'm not saying it's a dream or anything, but that thought maybe. But then if you have your four points on the board, there's four more to play for, and, and, and that will start coming into the thinking. Yeah, definitely. And I suppose it it probably, you know, buries the Limerick uh, game quickly enough too. If we can go down there and get a result, you take a huge amount of positivity out of it, you know, back into probably another heavy block of training into that Galway game. And, you know, the, the ball's then back in Clare's court, as you said, whether they want to go flat out to, you know, try and get to that league semi-final or whether they, you know, they, they get a win down there, maybe they, they target that Galway game and maybe that Cork game is just a game for, you know, seeing seeing what your bench is like or, you know, those 50-50 calls, getting the boat lads on the pitch to see which one takes their opportunity. So I, I would say that these next two games are clear. They'd, they'd be, you know, really going after two wins and then the ball is in their courts, to said, to see where, where they go after that.
Where do you sit on this whole National League debate? Because it struck me talking to Brian Lohan before the league when we brought up about that whole conversation around it. And he kind of seemed to say that if you go back beyond last year, everybody references Waterford last year and winning the league and then kind of falling asunder after. But like Brian was saying, we'll go back before that. Look at Limerick winning leagues and continuing that on into championship and kind of got the sense from him that there might be a, a touch of throwing the baby out with the bad water in a lot of the analysis of it. Yeah, the, the league is, I suppose, it's it's a it's a difficult one, I suppose. You have county squads and, you know, they're heavily in, you know, close contact with what's going on in the Skibbon and you're, they're down a lot of players that they'd probably like to see. So the being in the league is difficult in that regard. And then the, the, the proximity of the championship is very, very tight. And, you know, I, I think just there's still a, a calendar issue. I, I just think that, you know, pushing if it's given to the to before Christmas and, um, you know, tidying up some of these competitions that maybe don't, don't matter as much would breed more life into the league. I think the league is hugely valuable. I think Brian Lohan and every other manager, you know, they find an awful lot about the league and there's, you know, very competitive games in it. But I just think that, you know, as we say, we're, we're about a month out from championship or so. We're kind of coming down the home straight and there's still a lot of games to be played. And I, I just feel that, you know, if, the, if there was that kind of, you know, three weeks, a month break between kind of the league semi-final to, to the first round of championship, you'd see a lot more weight in the league. It's just that bit tight at, at the far end. Um, you know, Limerick, Limerick, have the squad, I suppose, to to take on both competitions. Um, it's probably stacked against Munster too, where you know you the five teams of Munster are so competitive. Any any weakness at all is exposed. You you have a bit more leeway in in Leinster without being disrespectful. You you know there's a couple of teams there that probably wouldn't be at the standard of of all five Munster teams. So you know, depending on on which province you're coming out of, there's probably more weight in the league. And I just think it's. It's dangerous for a Munster team, without, with the exception of Limerick, with their panel strength, to put too much into the league, especially coming the last round or so, coming into championship. Continuing our look ahead now to Clare versus Wexford on Sunday with our analyst Tommy Gilfoyle. Tommy, what are you expecting from this game? We were talking to Kevin Sheehan there a while ago on, on a similar note. Um, is this the weekend we might perhaps see things start to step up a notch? I think I think uh, from a management's point of view, Derek, I think you know they would expect a better performance um, than they got against Limerick. I think it was Brian Lohan didn't hide the fact that he he was disappointed with the performance and ultimately the defeat. But I think it was the manner, you know, where he stated that they weren't competitive or you know that. So I think they've had two weeks to to reflect on that. I think um, you know I do expect probably a stronger team to be put out, maybe. Not as an e-jerk reaction to losing to Limerick, but maybe use the game against the games against Wexford and Galway, uh, you know, to go to go that bit stronger. Whereas, you know, I think we have Cork in the last round, and I wouldn't think he'd be showing his hand there. Now, you know, I mean, who who he brings back, I think, you know, we all know who's missing: John Conlon, Tony Kelly, Ryan Taylor, Shane O'Donnell, Shane Meehan. You know, will we see some of those, or or indeed all of them? We'll have to wait and see, but. You know, I, I think he'd be looking for a, an improved performance. And I think, you know, particularly in that middle third of the field, you know, I think Colin Malone, David McInerney, Dermot Ryan, Peter Duggan, Ian Galvin, you know, I think he would have been expecting more of, of them against against Limerick. Will he go back? I suppose he has 
some of the conundrum uh, is gone away, I suppose, with the, the colleges. I suppose there's some guys still involved in freshers. So I expect maybe to give Mark Rogers uh, a break. Uh, you know, he, he was carrying an injury into that Fitzgibbon last week and just barely made it. So, yeah, lots to ponder on. Um, I, I think, you know, Wexford will be on the rebound as well. They lost at home to Galway in the first match. As expected, beat Westmead handily enough above in, above, above in Westmead. So I think, you know, they'll want to be putting in a good performance against Clare, particularly at home. So I think while it's not the be-all and end-all, I think both managements will be looking for improved performances, which will, you know, which will, you know, turn out to be, I'd say, you know, a real tough uh, third round of the league. Yeah, and I guess that, that's the conundrum for both sides. The, the result, maybe, from a supporter's point of view, will be important, but I, as you touched on there, and I agree with you, I think more managements will be more worried about looking at what their players are doing. Yeah, I think it's it's about performances, and I think, you know, the last day, I think, you know, um, you know, we would have probably expected, you know, more out of Cahill Malone and, and, and Peter Duggan and you know, those guys, and, um, you know, I think that they'll be, you know, they were the guys that, uh, you know, that in that middle third, you know, that had the experience and the physicality, which I think we were lacking against Limerick. Now, Wexford will pose different different questions on, 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 on Saturday. I think, you know, they're playing a more open, free-flowing game. I, I believe, you know, Lee Chin is out, I think, maybe for a couple of weeks. I think he only had returned. So, uh, you know, you know what to expect against Wexford. There'll be a, a big local crowd and they'll be demanding a performance. And, you know, I mean, Darry Egan is in his second year now. So, uh, you know, the Wexford supporters will be looking for progress. Um, but I think it's both managements, Darry Egan and Brian Lohan, will be looking about, I think, improved performances. Um, how strong they will go will determine their intent on going out and winning the game. But look, no team manager goes out to lose the game. But I think, you know, whatever 15 starts, I think they'll be expecting a, a bigger, bigger uh, performance than we've got to date. If we go back to that Clare Limerick game, uh, for me anyway, it feels a little bit strange in that I don't think defensively Clare were all that exposed, really. Like the I th- the full back line probably did as much as they could. Is it is it a case of that Clare's ales came more from the middle third area rather than what we'll call the danger line? Yeah, I think Derek. I mean, it's nine times out of ten, you know, if the corner, if the corner forward or the cornerbacks are getting are in trouble or being roasted, I think you know you must look further out the field. And I thought against Limerick, you know, I think Limerick walked the ball out of the defence. You know, where they strung together five, six, seven passes. Claire didn't put a hand on them. You know, released the guy then in the midfield who had the five five seconds and five yards to look up and set up, you know, the likes of Shane O'Brien, Peter Casey and those guys. And, you know, that's very hard to defend against. So I think, you know, work rate, intensity, physicality, it's probably something that forwards sometimes forget about. But I think, uh, you know, they would have been well reminded by the management that, uh, you know, the first line of defence starts at number 15. So I think a more workmanlike performance from the forwards, uh, you know, where it'll put pressure on the backs and, you know, allow those clearances and and to be to be you know to be definitely under pressure because if you don't, you know the modern day forward you'll probably play two lads inside, they're fifty yards in front of it and you know the cornerback is at the mercy of 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 of, of the the ball he's getting. So I think he'll be looking for an improved performance from the forwards. That middle third, I suppose, is a conundrum, particularly with our half back line. If it's drawn out too far, you leave space behind. 
But I think that starts with the forwards. So I think from 15 back, he'll be looking for, you know, an improved work rate, a higher intensity and a bigger physicality. Uh, you know, when we haven't the ball and when we have the ball, you know, he'll be expecting those to, you know, to put the scores on the board as well. But definitely, I think the first line of defence always starts at number 15. Yeah, and I think that's something that people will be watching with great interest because when this game is over, we'll be staring down the barrel of the first week of March. Like, And, and up until now, we've been kind of saying, Asher, look at Leds, don't get too hung up on it. It's only January, it's only February. But like at the same time, this now seems to almost be that kind of keystone weekend in where you want to see progress and something to encourage you as thoughts start to turn further down the road. And I suppose maybe, Derek, you know, I mean, the fact that we were well beaten the last day, you know, will 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 provoke a natural reaction, I think, from the players, not alone the management. So, yes, um, time is moving on. And as you said, you know, we'll be out of February uh, next week and we'll we'll be into March. We see, you know, the, the weather is milder, the evenings are longer. And, you know, this Munster Championship comes around very quick. But I think it's the balancing act, and it's not an easy one for management, is to, you know have steady improvement rather than peaking too soon. So it's something that the management are probably having to manage at the moment. Um, probably the expectations of supporters probably are different than the expectations of the manager. But I think at the bottom line, it's all about performing, uh, you know, and putting in a performance that puts you in a position to win the game while not putting all your eggs in the one basket to going out to win the game. So there's a happy medium somewhere in between um, and, and I think the management, as I said, you know, will be looking for an improved performance. The supporters will always look, you know, for that victory, and you know, that's just the nature of the of the fan. But uh, I think, you know, all eyes will be on that monster championship, and it's a gradual build up, albeit, you know, it's coming down the tracks uh, a lot quicker and a lot sooner now than than maybe it was a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, big afternoon on Sunday for Clare. Sid and Tommy will be bringing you live commentary of that game down in Wexford Park from 2 o'clock. It's also a big weekend for the Clare Camogie side as they look to follow up on last weekend's brilliant win over Kilkenny. John Carmody takes his side to Park Urin to meet a Cork outfit who will be most familiar to the banner after that epic double extra time Munster final showdown last year. Speaking after the win over Kilkenny, Carmody was confident that there's plenty more to come. Yeah, very pleasing, Derek. Um, you know, great performance, great character, uh, huge work rate from the girls. Um, and, and believe it or not, uh, lots to improve on. You know, lots to improve on, but uh, we're, we're playing a certain way. We're very happy. You know, we go away, we'll analyse it now. Not, look at, we can't dwell on it. We're playing Cork next Saturday down in Park Irene, so... Uh, Alan Duggan's up there doing his job. We'll analyse the game during the week. Uh, there's lots of mistakes to cut out, but all in all, hugely positive day for Clare Camogie. Uh, particularly the start, Kilkenny got to the second half, reeled off, I think, five, six points with the point up. You'd think Kilkenny were going to push on, but it showed this year we emptied the bench and we got a huge impact from the bench. And um, we actually, you know, you saw there, we pushed on and dominated the last 15 minutes of the game, which is very pleasing from our point of view. And talking about pushing on, like, uh, OK, there was an element of fortune about the goal, but the call was immediate then to build on top of it, which you did to, to get that, those four points up at the break. Well, that was it. The goal, the goal was was fortunate, but, I mean, if you're not shooting, you're not going to get these goals. I think we did leave one or two genuine goal chances behind us as well. So, um, yeah, the goal, obviously, it, you see the scoreboard, the first goal is probably the key factor in the game. And, um, you know, a four-point cushion at half-time, you'd think we were in a good position, but within five minutes, that was wiped out. So, um what was most pleasing for me, as I said, was when, when Kilkenny went ahead, that we really dug in and, and ground out the result and stuck to our game plan. And um, 
you know, very pleasing uh, five or six debuts there today. Alicia uh, Ryan was outstanding at wing back. We saw the impact from the bench. Uh, okay, Linda's very experienced. Come on there, give us a lift. Great to see Orla Duggan back. Another huge lift. Amy Keaton back in the fold. Um, set up the last score there. And great to see Jennifer Daly and Abby Walsh, uh, two up-and-coming players who have been instrumental in Scarfogun for the last two years and uh, they made their debut there today and I think what a future they have for Clare you know yeah. Belief John you'll take an amount but not to Cork next week uh, we will like, we, we have great belief from last year you know uh, we ended up in that relegation game but if you wanted value for money like <laughs> every game we played was in the me- went down to the last po- the little, it did go down to the last puck of the ball but that was what was most pleasing for me there today last year we mightn't, we mightn't have held out there, but today we held out and we held out comfortably and showed a bit of experience. Nebo D, Claire Herr, they're outstanding down the middle. Kira Grogan, you know, really good defending and um, all in all, very positive. Yeah, look, I was asked last week, you know, you know, we're in this division and it's going to be tough. It is going to be tough, but we have a great bunch of players there. They're, they're setting serious standards for future generations of Clare Camogie players. And we, asked, we looked for girls that want to come in, want to wear the Clare jersey, are prepared to do the hard work. It's easy to sit outside and say... I don't want to be part of it, but I can tell you what those girls are putting in. They're on a pair matching what the boys are doing for Brian Lohan. And uh, this is just the start of hopefully their awards here today. We've beaten Kilkenny in February. We want to be beating Kilkenny in July this year. And, uh, you know, we have, you know, Emer Kelly to come back in the fall later on. And uh, a few other few young players there, Leisha O'Donnell and Grace Carmody, that uh, were togged out there today. They're the next two or three ready to come in there and, and, and uh, straighten up the group. So we're in a good place. But we, we need to mind it and we need to work hard. It's building on last year. You had 13 yeah. of the 15 that played practically every game last year out there and that experience showed. And then you had the experience of Linda and Orla Duggan coming in and, and the, 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 the boost that youth gives you as well. So it, it, the difference is huge because um, this win now will give us the confidence. Like We know from last year, like we beat Tipperary, yeah. uh, you know, we should have beaten Cork in the Munster final blown Park Irene. We know that performance level is in the group. And um, you know, we, we have developed the panel you saw there today. So hopefully we can push on now and, and, and see have another crack off Cork next Saturday in the, in the second round of the league in Park Irene. Clare Camogie manager John Carmody there. Well, an outstanding display from joint captain Clare Heher was a huge part of the reason the banner overcame the All-Ireland Champions last weekend. But the Ina Kilnamona club woman says no one will be taking anything for granted in Park Irene. Started the second half was a bit hairy there. We were against the wind and they were putting, seemed to be had a few points on the trot there. But to come back from that was really brilliant and it just shows the depth in the panel that we're building on this year. You know, we we thought we had a brilliant, you know, we had a brilliant one to fifteen, one to seventeen last year. But we really need to push on now and build on that panel. And it probably shows the development and the maturity of the squad as well. That there was no panic. You know, can you get level to go ahead? But still, nothing changed from what you were trying to do. Yeah, you know, it's, if your heads go down in the first five minutes of the second half, it's a long second half until that final whistle. So it's just about getting reset again and um, trying to push on and work the ball out as best as you can. I suppose as well, to start off, there's always that pressure valve of the first day. You don't know what you're going to get. So, you know, you can face a very positive week ahead now before heading to Cork. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be definitely um, a lot of learnings coming from that and to push on to another excellent team like Cork um, and down to Cork as well in Parky Rain. You know, we'll feel a bit, we've a bit of unfinished business below there after the Munster final last year, so definitely be um, keeping an eye on them as well. And they'll be keeping an eye on you because this is a result that will obviously make the headlines, the, the All-Ireland champions being beaten, so I mean, you'll have to be braced as well for Cork to maybe go another 10%. Yeah, do you know, that's what, that's what we want. Like, we want to be up there with the best of them and to have them thinking about us coming down the road. You know, that's 
can only mean good things for us and good things for Clare Camogie. And as we saw there, with the impact from the bench, training this week will probably be cutthroat because there's a lot of players there saying, well, you know, I did enough to not to be taken off here. Definitely, yeah. Do you know, it's going to be giving the management a headache for the week and, do you know, I'm sure they're only happy with that, like to have to be fighting about it. But there's definitely girls there um, that are putting their hands up for certain positions. That is Claire Heher there. Throw in tomorrow for that one is at three o'clock. And we'll be keeping you posted on it right across the afternoon. Uh, more to come here on Sideline View. We're back shortly. Now you welcome back to the show. Well, the Clare Ladies footballers are in action on Sunday afternoon in Cusick Park as down are the visitors to Ennis. Victory over Offaly last time put Wayne Freeman's side back on a positive footing with their slim hopes still alive of a shot at promotion. Ahead of that, I've been speaking with Clare captain Quiva Harvey, who told me all they're focused on is the challenge in front of them this week End. We've always said that we'll just take every day, every game as it comes, and you know, having down at home is going to definitely help. Um, you know, it's a it's a long trip down. Um, so yeah, we're all really looking forward to to the next three games, and you know, we won't focus on anyone else's results. We'll just try and get the three points ourselves, and then you know, see what happens. I suppose. What way have you assessed the first four games or thereabouts? Like it's probably been something of a mixed bag. It definitely has, you know, we went up to Sligo and I suppose at the time it, they just weren't a whole pile of a competition for, for us um, and then having Wexford at home, you know, I think, you know, tiredness in the legs and, and whatnot really, you know, we just didn't really perform as, as a unit. Um, you know, we had a good performance against Kildare but of course we just didn't get over the line so it was super important to get over the line against Offaly um, and thankfully we did. So, you know, um, we always knew going into the league with such a tight, I suppose, tight uh, timing with all the games, you know, what's it, seven weeks, no, nine weeks and seven games. So, you know, definitely now we're feeling feeling the effects of it. You know, we've five weeks done and four games played. So, you know, tired bodies and stuff like that. But, you know, it's it's just great to... I suppose integrate with the with the new panelists and um, you know just try and get everyone league time and you know progress our team for for championship. Yeah, I guess that's the the, the be all and end all of it. It's everything maybe that happens prior to championship is is preparation for that. But like that winning feeling at the same time, I'd imagine there was a great relief up in Clara the last day. You know, as you said, very good performance against Kildare, but just didn't get the win on the board. But this time in a tight encounter, came out the right side. So no matter what time of the year, I guess it's important to be doing that. You know, no matter what game you go into, you you want to win. Whether it's no matter what it is, you always want to win. It just brings morale up within the group and and whatnot. And you know, we had two defeats on the trot, so it was a tough one to take. Like, you know, going into training, there was just that bit of a lull. But you know, it's it's just fantastic to have gotten the win above and awfully. And you know, it was a tight game. You know, it was a game of two halves. So, you know, uh, it was it was definitely a tough battle, but, you know, we got out the right side of it and, you know, that's that's the main thing, I suppose. And as you said, it's down next, if I'm not mistaken, there was a journey up there last year to, to Nuri, you know, so you'll know each other well and I think Louth played down last year as well, so Wayne will know them well, so there's a bit of, bit of familiarity there, I suppose each team will know what to expect. Yeah, you know, all the teams in Division 3, we're all so close together um, as in lines of we've played them in championship time and time again um, you know, down are going to be no pushovers and they've got some some very good wins so, you know, their league by no means is over 
So, you know, they're going to bring a battle uh, down to Cusick Park on, on Sunday. So it's just, we have to we have to be ready and be up for it. And, you know, the teams, we, we both know each other and we know what we're capable of doing. So it's just about getting that out onto the field and, and just getting the win. You mentioned there that the newer players on the panel, it is a new Clare team. Um, how are things gelling together? They're going really, really well. You know, we have we have a lot of new players and players that might have played for years are back. And, you know, so it, it is really good, um, you know, and it's just about getting them game time as well um, and trying to get our fitness up across the board. Um, and it's great having the longer league to do that, um, you know, definitely for, for myself to, you know, playing the, playing the four games so far. You know, all you're working on is is your fitness, and you know it's just I suppose building everything towards towards the championship. Um, but you know the the players that have come in, they've brought a great asset to us, and you know the intensity they have brought to training and everything. So it's fantastic. Yeah, you're seeing the benefits of the longer league because you're four games into it now. Um, the last couple of years that would have been your lot for the league, like so. It, it was a real bonus for it to revert back to the old format, wasn't it? It really was, I suppose. It was when the All Irelands were in the All Ireland Championship was kind of August, September, I suppose. It being now in July, it's just a real neat season uh, f- for us. Um, but it is. It, it, I personally do think it is. It is really good. Um, it just means that you know you're constantly. There's going to be no break of you know four or five weeks. You're just constantly. It's going to be game after game for the next for the next number of weeks. Clare Ladies Football Captain Quiva Harvey there. That game has a two o'clock start in Cusick Park on Sunday afternoon. Well, for this week's Sport in Focus, I met with James Murray, who is the Sports Inclusion Disability Officer with the Clare Sports Partnership. A native of Quilty, he's had a distinguished sporting career as a three-time Paralympian, including playing in front of 100,000 people at the famed Maracanana Stadium in Brazil. I spoke to James about his own life in sport, how he dealt with cerebral palsy and the involvement of access to sport for those with a disability. No different to any other, you know, young fella growing up, you know, in Kilmurray, football is the heartbeat of the community. And even though I have a disability, cerebral palsy, which affects me down my right-hand side, um, started off and wanted to play, you know, Gaelic football and went to the field. And, you know, I suppose my father had been involved with teams and under 10 teams, 12 teams and stuff like that. But I suppose it came to a certain point at maybe when I was around 15, where um, I suppose the pace and the physicality of Gaelic football um, wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't going to be able to do it. Mm. That realisation on a personal level, you know, hit home um, and I suppose other avenues opened up um, and and I'm just uh, thinking kind of backed in from coaching and, ma- and managing teams. I think I was 15 when I took my first under 12 team, you know, in Kilmurray or um, uh, refereeing. Um, that was another hat of mine, you know, on both ladies football and, you know, men's football for a while, you know, um, with Borden Oak. And then I suppose, you know, the big thing for me, you know, uh, probably through my middle teens and into, I suppose, when, when I decided to settle down, you know, around uh, the early 30 mark was um, Paralympic soccer and cerebral palsy soccer. And um, I suppose for, you know, a 15, 16 year period, um, I represented Ireland um, Paralympic Games, your European Championships. Um, got to travel around the world. Um, got to play in 
you know, some big stadiums as, you know, precursors to different matches and stuff like that. So, like, that was, I suppose, a really exciting time. But again, no, no different to everything else. Parallel to that, you know, the other part of my life had to live too, like, you know. Yeah, how... So what kind of mindset does that decision come to? A teenager, it's a difficult time anyway, but realising then that you actually can't continue competitively with all your friends and, as we know, the religion that is football in the area. Like, yeah. Was that a difficult decision for you to come to terms with at the time or, or how did that transpire? Um, I suppose for me, you know, no more than any other child in, you know, in Ireland, who do we support from a soccer perspective you know okay we all love to think it might be Shamrock Rovers or Bohemians or St Patrick's and they'd be our number one team but it was all about Liverpool you know Man United and you know and those those teams so soccer was very prevalent so to get that opportunity to actually you know play soccer you know um, for Ireland and you know I suppose for me the the, the novelty of travelling to Dublin for training you know um, on a weekly basis and you know going up and then the opportunity to actually travel to all these different places but I suppose initially and it's a funny one when I suppose Serval Palsy Sport Ireland as it was as an organisation you know probably did roadshows and wanted to find out you know in the local communities you know was there sports people mm. out there that had cerebral palsy you know could we recruit them my actual first international event was actually um, swimming and I never knew I never knew how to swim um, and I suppose it was maybe 11 um, and uh, did the road show and basically about 18 months later there was going to be a youth international home nations competition um, between England, Ireland, you know, Scotland and Wales. And um, I suppose following that, I learned to actually swim in what we know as Mungovan's Pool um, yes. in the Quilty Holiday Cottages. Learned to swim there with Sarah Ironside and then eventually gone to Ennis Pool um, with Claire and Brenda McGrath who would be heavily involved in, you know, in, in, in Irish swimming and actually went to Scotland and participated and won a swimming medal um, all in the space of, of 18 months but my, my swimming career was my international swimming career was short lived because you know soccer took over then like you know yeah yeah that's an incredible experience then to get as a, as a young fella to get to travel to those places isn't it ah unbelievably so um, like you know to travel to Russia Ukraine you know Brazil um, you know Argentina you know China you know, all over, all over Europe, um, you know, America. Um, I suppose a highlight, a highlight for me, uh, two highlights, the old Lansdowne Road, um, we would have played um, at half time, Ireland and Romania, um, would have played and was probably 50,000 at it. Right. Um, and, you know, first time family and friends actually, you know, got to see me play because, you know, they wouldn't come to Dublin mm. too often and, you know, um, and that was a massive experience. But I suppose for me in, in everything that, you know, I would have done, the highlight, I played in front of 100,000 in the Maracanã, you know, in, in, in Rio de Janeiro. Um, Flamingo and Botafogo were playing a, a Brazilian league game and we, uh, we got to play with, you know, two rest of the world teams and I got chosen to play in that. And, you know, to play in that pitch and have, you know, 100,000 people screaming at you, you know, it was, that was some experience. Certainly tops the QZ Cup game in the depths of February anyway. <laughs> definitely, definitely. <laughs> um, position, where did you play? Um, so we play. We had seven aside. So normally you'd have your goalkeeper, you'd have your two defenders, 
three in midfield and maybe one up front and the systems to change um, I suppose as a young fella I played in the, the middle of midfield now I was no I was no Ronaldo or no Messi but coming from the GA background and having that I suppose element of physicality as, as much as you could from a from a CP perspective I was kind of I was more of a, a, a player that that, that uh, broke up the play. Do you know what I mean? Won the ball back, put the hard tackles in. You know, picked up plenty of um, picked up pl- plenty of yellow cards. And then, as I got older, I kind of made my way back towards the goals because I think <laughs> I, I'm. Uh, I think I played seventy two times. Um, you know, in different European Championships and World Championships and stuff like that. And I only scored four times. So I, and one of them was from a penalty. So I can I can nearly vividly remember each of the four goals. So um, it was more my job to win the ball back and. Pass it off to the other lads. Yeah, knowing the family background, James, no one would be surprised at that. That it's the, <laughs> the hard tackling uh, type that you became. So it's it does sound so that your life would have been an awful lot different without sport in it. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um. And for me, the fabric it even goes goes a little bit further. You know, into in into life as well. I went to boarding school and I spent. And if you can imagine, you know having a disability and I went, uh, went to Flannans and I spent six years in Flannans and uh, you know a massive experience in itself um, you know for me I was kind of I was uh, uh, there was there was a time where um, I think it might have been a first year and I kind of said maybe at Christmas time and I had said to my mother and father I, I hate the place I want to come home and as you know I, I you know maybe go to Nestimon or Kilmehill or mm. you know or Spanish Point would have been the place and parents asked me to stick it out and I would arguably say yeah you know no more than anything else living with 140 40 other boys you know um, different things happen but I would have to say probably you know as good as six years as I would have had and you know got involved with the football teams there with at the time with Peter Sexton and Paul Ger- Paul Garrity and you know um Tommy Curtin was there at the time and he was over the Clare Seniors and, and you know the Clare Minor team um, so you know that was a really really you know really good experience from a coaching point of view, then, as you said, you got into it quite early at 15 or 16, took an under 12 team. So these are lads that are not that far off you in terms of your own age. Like we would have grown up with the likes of your father, Patrick, and these fellas who were obviously older than us coaching. So it's a different dynamic. How did you find that? Um, I, I I suppose, you know, for me, the, the, and I'm just thinking back to the under 12 team, Brendan Maloney, Michael Hogan. Ian McInerney, you know, they're all slightly, you know, probably just finished in the last, mm. in the last couple of years. Um, didn't, you know, to be honest, my father, I suppose, would have started it off and I would have been kind of, you know, monkey see, monkey do, you know, mm. sort of a thing with my father and we would have always been at the field and I probably wouldn't have played with the lads, do you know what I mean, you know, as regards teams and you know, like anything else, coaching was probably in its infancy. And I, when I say coaching, was in its infancy back, mm-hmm. you know, back then. So, um, no, it, you know, worked out, you know, worked out fine. Now, obviously, as you get older and, you know, from, from if the phrase, you know, from familiarity kind of breeds contempt, you know, it didn't really. And I just, I, I suppose people took, yeah, it's James Murray. He, people in, in locally in the parish wouldn't even, I, I don't think would have even looked at the disability first. You know, it was always, you know, it was always about the person. That is James Murray there. He's the Sports Inclusion Disability Officer with the Clare Sports Partnership and you can watch the full version of that chat now on our Clare FM Facebook page. That's where you have today view for this evening's show. So much sport to come over the weekend and we'll keep you posted on all of it here on Clare FM. The West Wind is up next with the best of Irish traditional music and song until 9 o'clock. I'll chat you tomorrow.